So he lives in India and he is a one man company that makes something between 15 and 30 million dollars selling simple plugins for Google Docs. If you if you have 20 million dollars <laughs> a year of income, that is a huge unheard of sum. All right, we live. What's going so, on? All right, I got a couple interesting things for you. Um, I'm going to start with this one-man company. So I got a, I saw a tweet. I got tagged in a tweet a bunch of times. Same, the exact same one. And I think we should talk about this because this is very Is cool. it the Google plugin guy? Yes. Yes. So, all right, so this guy, John Davids, uh, tweeted out a great thread, and his handle is real, real John Davids. So shout out to him for doing this. And he's basically like, dude, I discovered this guy. And let me just tell you some things about this guy. So how funny is it that something like this happens? And I, I know exactly what you're talking about because we I got DM well, the amount. The same people probably DM'd me. Well, that's when you know you're doing a good job. When people see something and they think of you. Um, I tweeted this out. I go, people think you create content like a podcast or a YouTube channel to become well-known, right? Oh, you want fame. You want to become well-known. And some people want that, and there is some benefits to that, but that's not my goal with this stuff. My goal is to be known well, which means people know you really well. That means when they see something, they'll know to send it to you. They'll show it to you. They'll share it with you. They'll invest it. They'll tell you to come invest in this deal with them. When you're known well, it's because you've put your brain out there on blast. People know how you think. And so when they see something that they know you'll love, they immediately think of you and they come share it with you. And so I would say the... Even if you create content and you're never famous, it never takes off and you become well-known, you will become known well. And that alone is a big enough benefit to justify um, creating content. All right. Anyway, so we were known well because these uh, a bunch of people tagged us in this this guy. So this guy, uh, what is his name? So his name's Amit Agarwal. So he lives in India and he is a one-man company that makes something between 15 and $30 million dollars selling simple plugins for Google Docs and Google Drive and the Google the G suite of apps. This is crazy. I, I didn't know it was that company. high. That 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 is that is that is sh- dude, making if you if you have 20 million dollars <laughs> a year of income, that's like the equivalent of I would have to think about this and maybe someone who's thought about this is going to say I'm an idiot and I'm getting it wrong, but making 20 million dollars a year in income is probably the same as being worth like 500 million dollars. Uh, lifestyle wise, it definitely is like, like it's a huge that is a huge unheard of sum. So this guy, basically, he's a he goes to IIT, which is like the Harvard of of India. He's a computer science guy. He moves back to his hometown. So he goes to the big city, comes back to his hometown. And in 2004, he starts off as like a tech blogger. He's just writing tips and tricks on how to use G Suite. And he creates a Gmail plugin that lets you do what's called a mail merge. A mail merge is basically like you want to email 100 people the same thing, but not in one group email and not even as a BCC because you want to customize some component. Yeah, I'm a paying customer of this like product. That. And so he created a plugin that just lets you do that in Gmail because there's a lot of services that will let you do that outside of Gmail. But like a lot of people just want to run it inside their inbox and not like use some third party app to send send emails. So he creates this thing and that's, I think, his biggest hit. But he just starts writing go, like you know how-to guides on his website. His website's called Digital Inspiration. And so it'll be like, you know, how to calculate the percentage score in a Google form. How teachers can email your parents, the uh, email parents using Google Forms or something like that. 
and it's free, but then he has like a paid tier, $39 a year, $79 a year to get rid of like the branding and stuff like that. Email, you know, go past a limit of emails, something like that. And so his main mail merge thing has been downloaded seven and a half million times. And so if you assume like a, you know, 5% conversion rate to paid, he's doing 1.5 million in AOR just off of that one plugin. And he's got 13 more plugins. <laughs> so he's got like his whole set of things. He's got this document management app called Document Studio. And it lets you create documents, certificates, invoices using Google Sheets. And it's $79 million a year, 6 million downloads. He's got oh a God. notification app, $49 a year. He's got 10 million downloads. He's got a YouTube app, 8 million downloads. And then he creates one-off apps for big companies like Airbus, LinkedIn, Disney. Even the U.S. Embassy has paid this guy to create custom G Suite things just for them. Like, if you kind of blend this all together, you start doing some estimates. Like, I, I DM the guy. I was like, hey, can you confirm what the number is? I don't want to say the wrong number, but I'm going to tell the story on the pod. He didn't, he didn't reply yet. But he, um, it's pretty safe to say this guy's doing more than $10 million a year. And it could be as high as $25, $30 million if you're, like, really aggressive with how much he's getting from the enterprise customers. And um, but somewhere between 10 and I'd say 25 million is a, is a fairly safe bet. How does he have? And, and, I, and I saw just that he had a, simple, useful things. He had 100,000 followers on Instagram. Is he famous for some reason? Like what? What's because a guy like this seems under the radar. I think or, his blog has a good amount of uh, traffic. So I'm going to go open up his blog. Yeah. So his blog gets about 150,000 hits a month, uh, visitors a month. And so I think he probably just says, hey, this is made by me. And then people go follow him or something. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but there is an all new service hub from HubSpot and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps time with an AI powered help desk so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secrets out service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. What's the uh, tax rate in India? Do you know, is it comparable to America <laughs> or is it way worse or way better? What <laughs> I don't know, but I th I remember hearing at one point that only 2% of the Indian population paid taxes. <laughs> really? Like the majority of the population just simply didn't pay taxes. This, this is, is like, a big problem in India because they're not banked either. So it's like, there's no way to track anything. Cash economy, you don't have a bank account. It's like, there's like, it's not, as well for like me. not exist. Yeah. <laughs> taxes, no, and, it's not for me. Yeah, it's <laughs> optional. Uh, but I think that might have changed. This was like 10 years ago. I heard that stat and I was like, what the hell? Uh, so I'm sure that's changed over time. Dude, what a baller. You know, this is so great. I think that the reason it's great is because it kind of breaks your frame on what's possible because he's like, when you're in Google Docs, there's so many times where I'm like, man, I wish I just do this one thing. There's just this one very, very specific thing. And I would never think this should be a product because I'm like, it's just me experiencing one tiny issue that if I learned how to program or learned how to do like uh, this other thing, it would work perfectly fine. And this little you know, thing is only going to save me five minutes. It's not a big deal, but this is a good example of that. Um, that's sick. I use some of his products. They're really good. By the way, now that the paying rate, I think is 6% of the population filed the tax return. <laughs> In uh, when was this? This was 2020. <laughs> so you think, wow, well, good for this guy. Hopefully he's one of the 94%. <laughs> even if he is dude if you have like a million dollars in india like you're a king um you know you don't, you don't need that much money to just ball out in small towns in india like you are set well i like this guy what's the uh who's carl allen all right this is my billy of the week a million 
dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. This story is kind of incredible. Also came to me from a uh, a Twitter DM. Um, the guy's name is kind of like hard to. It's not like his real name. I want to give him credit, but like you know, I don't know what to what to call him. His 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 uh, Twitter handle is Euro Repe, R E P E. So Euro Repe. He goes, I got ability of the week for you, Carl Allen. He goes, sold a garbage bag company for four hundred million. I got this million. one too. This is so funny. I got the exact now, same one. A full time treasure hunter in the Bahamas. Okay, so who is this guy? You know, like the uh, I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones, but in Game of Thrones, it's like um, a song of ice and fire. This is a song of garbage and treasure. This is this guy basically is kind of an insane story. I, it, it's very hard to even find information about this guy. I don't know if you looked him up, but there's I did. not a lot. The only about thing, this guy. like they didn't cover his business. They covered the fact that he was buying like a huge yacht, which yeah, is yeah, exactly. a great sign. All of it's about his yacht. <laughs> yeah. So, so, all right. So, so here's what I do know. All right. So Carl Allen, he basically, he starts off working at this company called Heritage Bag and Heritage Bag makes plastic trash bags so like they do it not just like normal trash bags but like for medical waste or like hospital waste but they'll make like anything that's like uh you know ice bucket liners um you know the, like they'll make takeout boxes anything that's like mass production manufacturing for for like this really core utility very similar to like eggcartons.com the the story that we told on the pod before and so medical waste bags is, is their thing he actually started off just like working there and he worked kind of like, it's like one of those stories where he worked his way up from the mail room. He had like one job, then he climbed up, then he got into business development, then he became the director of business development. Then eventually he becomes the CEO and eventually he buys the company. And I don't know how he pulled this off. I tried to find this. I could not find how this employee ended up owning the company, but he did. He ends up owning the company and it's a boring business based in Dallas, you know, selling trash bags and he sells it. For something like three hundred or four hundred million dollars to, I think, a private equity firm. So they've they've got eight hundred employees. They've been around for 30, 40 years, something like that, and they sell. And um, and so they, you know, they do this, and then he's like, "All right, what do I do with my life now?" And at the age of twelve, he had visited the Bahamas, and he was like, "Wow, I love the Bahamas. This is just a magical place." He always had this idea, and so he he looks at this place that um, this island. And he calls up the owner and he's like, hey, um, you know, are you would you ever be interested in selling? They're like, no, we've been asked before. We won't sell this thing. It's a 92 year old woman. She's like, no, we won't sell it to some big corporation. That's just going to ruin it. He goes, no, 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 ma'am. I'm not a big corporation. I'm a family guy. I'm a family. I'm, owned I'm just a rich guy. I'm just a guy with a handful of yachts and I need a place to park them. And basically <laughs> he, he convinces this woman to sell. They sell 50 years after they had originally bought it. He buys this island. He turns it into like his own little fishing, boating and exploring place. So he's got now three parts of his business. He's got philanthropy. He's got his family office where he invests. And now he's got his island business, his yachting business, his fishing business. And he owns a handful of yachts. He's got like I a think it's called foot um, yacht, an 80 foot yacht. He calls it an exploration business. Well, he's got his, yeah, he's got his exploration business, but I think he also calls his investing his exploration business. I don't know. It's a little confusing, but Alan Exploration, I think, is, is one of them. But either way, go to his YouTube channel. Did you watch any of his YouTube videos? Sick. Yeah, the guy's, the guy's amazing. Let me tell you a story about a young man with a dream. A dream of sailing the sea, living life with the ones he loves. 
discovering all the world has to offer, a dream of exploration. It only has 41,000 views. 41,000 views, and it's basically his channel where he is, he believes that there are billions of dollars of lost treasures in the sea. He's like, there have been 3 million shipwrecks. He's like, and when something is lost at sea, it's not lost. It's just at the bottom. Like He's like, it's still there. It didn't go anywhere. It's still there, and we just have to go find it. And he did this because he met some guy who was a treasure hunter who had made millions of dollars finding treasures in the ocean. And he was fascinated by this guy. And he's like, let's do this. I want to do this. And so he started doing this and he's looking for like these treasures where it's like King Philip from Spain had this like, you know, armada coming over and it got lost at sea back in the whatever, you know, the year 1200 or whatever. And he's like, we got to go find that because there were these like crazy gold things and whatever. And he wants to create a museum of the things that he finds. And he's found a bunch of treasures. He's found this long gold chain. He's found like all kinds of stuff down there. And he puts it in his little museum on his island in the Bahamas. And it's just like, a, and it's a public, it's a private island. I mean, he owns it, but he keeps it open to the public. It's not like nobody can come. And so people can come, they can visit, they can park their boats there, all that stuff. So isn't this kind of amazing? Like what a dope life this guy is living. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives that I thought was pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DDC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. It's, this is amazing for a couple of different reasons. One, it's so fun to give in to these obsessions. So you say like, well, what's the point of spending your life looking for treasure? It's like, because it's sick. Because it's awesome, right? <laughs> like, it's exciting. That's an exciting chase. You should do that. And it is actually, I'm sure there's some like historical value. Uh, I actually had a guy send me a pitch deck on investing in his like hunt. And I was like, no, I'm not even going to. No this way. Is, yeah, I was like, not not a <laughs> chance. Like, I, I don't know anything about this. This sounds like this. Of course, this sounds intoxicating and I love it. But like, I, I have to avoid that. But number two, I've been thinking about this phrase. Um, make the make 12 year old me make 12 year old Sam proud. And because right. I, I remember like making some money and I remember someone being like and I was like was fretting over like doing one thing or the other thing. And it was an awesome thing. But I was like, it cost too much. And someone's like, yeah, but it's sick. Like, it's awesome. Like what? what like, you know, if, when you were 12, this is what you always wanted to do. And I'm like, you're right. Why am I being such a boner? I should just do this thing. And <laughs> <laughs> and now, like, I do think that's a good life motto, which is like whatever 12 year old you wanted not all things but some things you got to give into those indulgences and this guy is awesome i'm a big fan of the well the, 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 we get this question a lot oh what would you go back and tell your 20 year old self right well if you were 21 again what advice would you give your 21 year old self and you hate that question i know you I hate like, that question because i say no they say if you had to start over again what would you do and i'd be like i would have done the same thing because that's what i'm skilled at and that's what i'm good at you, you want <laughs> you want me to give you an easy answer like i, I don't know what you're good at right 
And so you're like, that's the question people always ask, but I, I I'm with you. I want the opposite, which is what advice would your 21 year old self give you? Cause it's very easy to lose the plot. The older you get, the more responsible you get, the more um, practical you get, the more like you get lower energy, less risk, all that stuff. And uh, there's like a version of you. That's like, I don't know if it's 12 year old or the 21 year old, but in either case that like the goal was to have the most fun and do awesome things. And it wasn't thinking about like, how to save for retirement. That's not, that wasn't on your mind back then. And so I think that for most people, the risk is not that they're playing life too risky. It's that they're playing life way too safe. And that the 12 year old view or the 21 year old view, you would look at yourself and be like, oh man, I grew up and I got kind of lame. Oh damn. Like I'm just kind of like this out of shape guy who complains a bunch and like, you know, is like saving money for when they're even older. Like, dude, you're already old. And so like, you know, I, I think that for most people, they actually need to go the other way. They need to have more fun. They need to live more childlike. They need to have just more silliness, fun, adventure in their life. And they need to take a little more risk and play less safe. Um, I, I would say that that is the majority of people. And actually people treat it like it's the opposite. They think I need to, they think that the, they think the advice is you need to be responsible. You need to play it safer. Right. Life needs to be more serious. And it's like, no, actually, life needs to be way less serious. Have you opinion. ever seen uh, that one of the very it, it's about 10 years old. So it was, it was one of the early viral YouTube videos. And this this guy, he's in his 30 at this point in his 40s. He when he was eight, he recorded himself saying, hey, Jonah, what's going on? And he he's like, as an eight year old, anticipated that he wanted to make a video in his 30s where he was going to have a conversation with himself. And it's, you know, older and is now uh, at the time, 30s, Jonah having a conversation with eight Jonah. He's like, hey, what's going on, Jonah? And he's like, are you still playing with this? And he like held up a toy and he was like, and the older Jonah was like, no, I'm not. And he's clearly sad. And the younger Jonah was like, because you really love doing this and we love drawing it and we love reading cartoons about this. And right now, I think I want to grow up and be a cartoonist where I talk about this. And the older Jonah's like, oh, man, I, I kind of like quit doing that when I didn't have time, but I actually still love it. And it, this video went viral. And I believe it kind of kicked off his career where he was able to start making movies and cartoons like he used to right. be into. And uh, I, whenever I watch that video, I get inspired. I'm like, what would when I was eight, like, what would you say? Like, well, you said you're going to do this. Why aren't you? Right. And I, and I actually I don't think the answer is you do what the 12 year old you wanted to do because maybe 12 year old you just wanted certain dumb things or only knew about certain things. But it's more like if I was just explaining this to the 12 year old me, would they nod and be like, okay, that's dope. I didn't know that. Well, you know, that's crazy. But like, that makes a lot of sense. Like, that sounds awesome. That sounds fun versus like, just do what the 12 year old right. wants. And I think you're, you're absolutely right that like people in general, the happiest people are the ones who are most childlike. Do you Why, do what are the traits of a, of a child? A, tra a child is generally very curious about the world. They don't just like think that they know it all, right? Um, a child is generally like looking to have fun. They're looking to play, not just work and grind, right? Like, you know, like this, I've never heard a, a 12 year old on that grind set. You know, like <laughs> 12 year olds are looking to play. They're looking to have a blast. And like, guess what? That's what you should be trying to do too. And um, and so, you know, I, I, everything. I think about like if I went back to the, to the 13 year old me and I was like, dude, this is our wife. And they'd be like, what? It's like, yeah. Like, yeah, we get to be with her. Like, she she <laughs> likes me. And, and he would be like, oh, dude, awesome. Like, this is amazing. Wow, this turned out amazing. <laughs> that would He's be like, like uh, something I would brag to my 13-year-old self. Like, dude, we pulled 
this. Like, like that would be so sick. You get to have sex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, it, it, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Our software is the worst. Have you heard of HubSpot? See, most CRMs are a cobbled together mess, but HubSpot is easy to adopt and actually looks gorgeous. I think I love our new CRM. Our software is the best. HubSpot, grow better. You want to do this last one? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So the last one I wanted to do was an update on Sarah's list. Okay. So for those who are new to the pod back, I don't know. How long ago was this? Like a year ago? Only a year ago. I was in New York. Yeah, it was a year. So let me go look at this video. So we did a, a video. It's on YouTube. September 7th. Oh, almost exactly. September 17th, 2021. It's September 19th today. Wow. So, two, you know, Good basically timing. a year to the day. Um, we did this thing. 12 startups where stock grants can make you a millionaire. And this was inspired by your wife, uh, Sarah, who basically was a self-made millionaire. And we said, oh, how'd she do it? Did she invent the next big thing? Did she make this crazy investment that paid off? And you're like, no, she just like worked at good companies and like a good job. Not, she wasn't CEO or C-suite. Yeah, she was just normal like, job, n- normal job at a good tech company. And like, yeah, like think about it this way. Like, you know, they give you uh, a job offer that will pay you, you know, let's say 50 K just to use round numbers, 50 K a year in stock compensation. So you, maybe you make 150, then you get 50 of stock. So over four years, you got 200 K of stock. Well, if that company goes up 5x in value during those four years, which many tech companies do, it's a million dollars of stock that you got. She's a self-made millionaire. A lot of done a lot at, of, and a lot of these companies will give you like maybe a hundred thousand dollars a year in stock. And exactly. in Airbnb's and, case, that I don't know what it went up. What I think it probably went up five or six times. I don't remember. And your wife had done this at Facebook. She worked at Facebook. She worked at Airbnb. Did she work at another one? Or were those? Were the she same? worked at Everlane, but I don't think they've had an exit yet. And so uh, she had done this and I was just like kind of, and it's also like, dude, those were obvious. It's not like she was like, oh, she was one of the first 10 employees at Airbnb. It's like, no, she joined and Airbnb had how many employees? It was like hundreds, if not thousands, right? No, it was, I, I think it was a, either 900 or a thousand. It was six years ago, maybe. So they, they weren't yeah. new. And do you remember the valuation at that time? Like roughly, it was I worth think like, it was 18. I think it was 18 yeah, so billion. And when they IPO'd, at the peak, I think it was worth one ten. Like okay, yeah, hundred billion. So, so let's say five x there um, at, at that peak. And so, anyway, so she had done this, and I just thought that was amazing. I thought this is like the most underreported story in like you know podcasts or tech news or well, Twitter. you're missing the Nobody one of the talks big, about this. You're missing one of the big parts. Was the reason it's underreported is it's not that unique. You know, there's thousands of people who work here there's hundreds of thousands of people who collectively work at maybe it's millions actually millions of people who work these types of gigs um, by the way it, she, she's not a programmer either she's not like an engineer and there's not like some barrier that you needed oh I'm, i can't do it i'm not i don't know how to code i can't work in a tech company no right. she's a non-technical person she's skilled but she's non-technical totally at, at a tech company and so anyways we were like we basically made a list called sarah's list which was what are the what are the dozen companies that we would bet on today that we think if you just went, you got that job, you got that stock package that's worth, let's say, a quarter million dollars today, that that can 4X, it could turn into a million dollars over your four-year vest. So, are we going to recap this uh, and see how we did? Yes. So Sick. I have the numbers. Great idea. I have the numbers here. So I'm going to read you the companies and then I'm going to read you uh, where we were right, where we were wrong. Because 
one of the companies on here just got acquired. So the reason this came up was Figma just got acquired and Figma was on our list. It was number seven on our list. They, they weren't in order. It was just like one of the ones we listed and Figma got acquired just now for $20 billion. And when we had done the the thing, Figma was at 2 billion. So that was a 10 X. Was it right really? There. Yeah. Figma was at 2 billion later, wow. like uh, late, like 12 months later, it got valued at, um, uh, or sorry, in between it had also gotten valued at 10 billion. So it kind of depends on the timing, but when we did the pod, the last known valuation was 2 billion, I, I believe. Wow. And so, um, that was their series D. And so, so yeah, so basically that's a 10 X from where we were at. So you go get that $200,000, uh, you know, stock package, oh, which You're is now sitting on. Yeah. And invest over $2 four years. So to a $200,000 stock package is $50,000 a year, which is incredibly reasonable for that's like a yeah more like an entry level that's table like very junior position there whereas you can get 100k a year so you might have had 400k in total stock that'd be four million that you're sitting on four it's so hard to make four million dollars in cash like it is not that easy and this is one of the like you know easier ways to do it so um so i think that's kind of underrated all right so let me give you the companies on the list we had flexport zapier Uniswap, Anduril, the defense company, Replit, the developer tools company, or the developer um, company, Airtable, Figma, Rippling, OpenStore, Fair, NextHealth, and OneTrust. Okay, so those are the companies. Now I'm going to read you where they were at and where, they're, where, they are, where they are now. Um, out of the 12, I'll just tell you right now that all but two of them, I believe, yeah, all but two of them are up. Um and the other two, it's just they haven't raised another round, so we don't know. But there's reason to believe where they might be up. One, Uniswap might be down just because crypto has like gone down in total value. Um, so Uniswap might be down, but uh, only Zapier and Uniswap are not marked up. So already you're up if you're if you're in any of these. So. And Zapier is not marked up because they their whole shtick is they don't want to raise. They're like, we bootstrapped. Right. We raised this one round of funding. We're not raising anymore until we go public. Exactly. So uh, you're still likely up. It's just not marked. Okay, so Flexport, when we had done it, it was at three billion. It's now at eight billion. So almost a three X markup. Um, okay, Zapier and Uniswap we talked about. Okay, Anduril, when we talked about it, it was a four point six billion. Now it's at six point six. So not not a huge markup, but you're up, you know, whatever, fifty percent. Um Replit. Replit, when we had done it, um, when we had talked about it, I think the last known valuation at that time was two hundred million. It raised again at eight hundred million. Uh, I invested in that round, so I and and so I know that it's actually worth more today because I get emails and phone calls from these groups that are trying to buy my Replit stock. They're like, "Hey, we are willing to buy five million dollars, up to five million dollars of your Replit stock." And so I think that Replit's probably valued today on the open market more than eight hundred million. But that's the last one they they known at. So at least a four x markup, likely more like eight x is my guess on Replit. Um, Airtable. Airtable was at 2 billion when we did it, 2.3. It's now at 11. So a 5x 5x jump on 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 Airtable. Um Figma we just talked about 2 billion now it got bought for 20, so 10x. Um Rippling, Rippling was 6 billion when we talked about it. It's now at 11. So double. OpenStore was 250 million when we talked about it and that was the only exception. It was the one that was lowest when we talked about it uh, as a, as a valuation. It's now at 750 million dollars. What was it when, so what, what was it when we started? 250. And 250 now it's to what? 750. Wow. 750. Um Fair Fair was at 7 billion. It's now at 12.5, so a little under double. Um 
Next Health was at 400 million. Now it's at a billion, so a little more than double, two and a half X. And One Trust was at 2.7 billion, now at 5 billion, uh, 5.3 billion. So another another two X. Pretty good. I mean, we did good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. Yo, get where's my Larry David clip? Pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty good. Keep in mind, we made these predictions at the beginning of like the best tech bull market, not of all time, but a really good one. So a lot of these valuations could be completely nonsense. You know, like at that time, we could have thrown at a dartboard and picked 10 random startups and the likelihood but, that they would but, raise is and and now it's down but the valuations i'm giving you are the afters are all 2022 valuations wow all right so a few uh, takeaways one exponential growth hard to completely understand like thinking like can this two or three or four x for most people myself included it's a it, it's an exercise to well, understand what read that the means. read the figma read the figma revenue numbers you have those right I, I don't know if I can. Re- well, they're, public. But- they're publicly available. Oh, they're, they're, public? they're out. It, right. When this deal came out, they came out. All right. Keep talking and I'll find it. OK, so basically uh, you're right. Exponential growth is, is like astounding. And so you look at these companies. I, I've talked about this before, where um, when we were getting acquired, we had a chance to get Discord stock. And it was like, oh, Discord is valued at two billion. Wow, it's already at two billion. It's like, well, what would we need to believe for, for us to take this deal? It's like, well, we need to think that it's going to get over six billion. I don't know. Its last valuation was fifteen billion. So even me, who's in the in the industry, in the space, I am a tech investor. It's just hard to fathom these companies becoming worth not just billions, but tens of billions. Not just tens of billions, but even up to a hundred billion in value. That so is just very, very hard to fathom. Here's Figma, Figma's growth, and the reason why this is astounding is because I heard what their valuation was, which was ten billion. I thought that is ridiculous. I heard these numbers, right. and then I thought, huh. That's actually not that crazy. So in 2017, they started charging customers. In 2018, they're at 4.1 million in revenue. In 2019, 23 million. 2020, 77 million. 2021, 100 million. And check this out. 2022 goal, and they're on pace to hit it, $450 million. So in the course of... (laughs) Six years, they went from zero to four hundred and fifty million dollars in of very recurring sticky, revenue. sticky revenue. Like, and their product does everything. They, they but built just look a at ton. some of those jumps. What, what were the first jumps? So it goes zero, then it goes from zero to what? So two or four? What's four? Twenty. So here's the order: four, twenty-five, seventy-five, and then this sucked a hundred, and then four fifty. A hundred to four fifty is astronomical. That is huge. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think there's the there's like a, a a thing in SaaS that SaaS investors look for. It's called triple triple double double. I don't know if you've seen this, but basically, yeah, they like, like triple triple annual. double triple tripled. Well, they did more than a triple. They did from four to twenty something. That's five x. So they did more than a triple. Then they did twenty twenty to seventy five, twenty five to seventy five, or whatever. So they, then they did a triple for five five triple, and then they did double, and then they did an, another double. Then they did a Another 4.5 X. It's, so it's just kind of insane. It's crazy. So, and ob- uh, obviously helped by like, you know, remote work because like Figma is basically like a, a tool for designers and product people to share designs. Um, like, you know, a designer will send me a mock up. I add my comments. I can move stuff around. I can see their mouse moving. It's almost like we're working on the same thing together right next to each other, even though we're miles and miles apart. 
And, uh, and by the way, amazing story. This is also another Teal Fellowship uh, win. And so it's crazy. This guy started this thing when he was 21 years old, like 19, 20, 21 years old. And, um, you know, has been building this. There was like a five year buildup where he, they didn't make any revenue. He was just building the product slowly but surely and then got to a private beta and then a public beta and then finally started charging people. You know, I think the company was founded in like 2011 and then it started making money in 2017. Even if I had this idea, there is no way five years later, I'm still doing this idea. In the yeah. middle of that, by the way, there was the ICO boom in, in crypto in 2017. You know, guess where my head would have turned? I'd have been like, oh, whoa, I should be doing that over there, right? In between, then there's like, you know, just waves and waves of other interesting, exciting, sexy things. That, and he just didn't take his eye off the ball. They just kept going, kept building, and and they won. So the two more things that are hard to understand. The, the, the first one I said was it's hard to understand exponential growth. Number two it always seems late. So if I bet a lot of reactions, if we go and read the comment section was this seems overvalued, this is already too big, you know, there's no meat up left on this bone. It always seems too late. And that goes back to <laughs> exponential growth is hard to understand. So like, if I told you like your home that you're in right now might be worth $10 million in 20 years, you'd be like, there's no way. And you say, well, that's just like, you know, 4% growth for the next 20 years. And it's already grown right. 4% for the trailing 50 years. Like, they're like, okay, I understand logically, but like when you say that number, it's quite hard to understand. And the last thing, which is every startup we named, it's not like they are unknown. They, it's all pretty obvious shit. You, if you Googled best startups to work at, I bet you six of the 12 that we named were on some type of list. Um, right. And granted, we're not playing with our lives here. We're just naming 12 things and we got 10 out of 12, right? You know, like uh, if you're in that 11th or 12th one, that might stink. But like, we're not that smart. We're 7.5 out of 10 in terms of industry knowledge. <laughs> and right. uh, we got it, like, it wasn't that hard. Yeah, totally. And so I think uh, I, I think there's a couple couple other takeaways with this, too, which is you said you said it right. Um, it's really easy to think you're too late on these tech winners. And what I would say is when there's actually a tech winner, when they, when they actually have the fundamentals, they have a great product and they're winning in the market and their growth rate is like, you know, real. Uh, these things can get a lot bigger than you think. I remember reading when Facebook got valued at 15 billion by Microsoft and they had like no revenue at the time. Very, you know, or they had like, I don't know, maybe a few hundred million in revenue, but it wasn't like, uh, it, it just seemed like how big is this social network thing going to be? And like, if somebody at that time was saying, and I'm sure there were a few people, but somebody at the time saying, yeah, this is going to end up being a trillion dollar company. I'd be like, there's no, you know, is there such a thing as a trillion dollar company? That's insane, right? Like I've told the story before. One of the biggest mistakes I made, one of the worst investments I made was an investment I made right. And that means I invested in Tesla when Tesla was at 2 billion. And I put all the money I had straight out of college. I put it into Tesla <laughs> at 2 billion and I wrote it up till it was at 7 billion or something like that. And I, I cashed out at a 3X and I remember at the time thinking, okay, General Motors and these other, whoever the biggest ones at the time, I think they were at 20 something billion, maybe they're 25 billion. I don't remember the exact numbers, but something like that. And I was like, one day Tesla could be, you know, half as big or maybe even as big as those companies. It just seemed like that was the roof. That was the ceiling on how big these could be. And then Tesla went up and became at one point a trillion dollar company. Now it's come back down to like, you know, whatever half, but um my two billion could have been a, become a trillion, basically, in terms what of what would multiple. you have made? You think how much did you put in? Twenty five thousand. 
Yeah, I had like twenty five grand in it, and so um, what's what's that? Something so like that. Is that a hundred? I, I can't even do that. Is that? 200? I had done the math at one point, and this wasn't the peak, but at one point it was like I would have had six million dollars from that twenty five k. It was like a great angel investment, and again, this felt late. Like Tesla was already out, successful. Elon Musk was a, he's not what he is today, but he was a known person, right? Like I'm talking about. This was back in probably twenty. 13-ish, 2012, something like that. Dude, we should do another one of these episodes because I think there's a lot of great companies right now that valuations are low where in 10 or 15 years when there's another great market, things will be drastically different. You know, this will be one of those things where you say in 10 years, you're going to wish you would have done what we're suggesting. Right. And we should do another one of these. I, I even had people build me like a website for this, like a sick looking website. I think we should do this. Me and you, I think, should own a, a job board called Sarah's List, and we should just keep this updated. And well, did you we think that I tweeted? I tweeted out. I was like, yeah, like, uh, I think this is a great way to make wealth. Where's like, but like researching these is, is a bit challenging. And that tweet got seen by millions, not millions of people, hun- many hundreds of thousands of people and a lot of really good replies. And there were some cool things, uh, startups that were mentioned and different job boards, but nothing where it's like perfect. Where where right. where 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 I think it needs to be, but yeah, I agree. All right, I think that's it. That's a wrap. 